Welcome to What the If, the game show where the game is. Uh, I got any ideas? Um, awesome. The, the game, game is awesome. The, the, the game, game is awesome. awesome. Yeah. So can't yeah, argue with that. That'll work. You know, yeah. it's an adjective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the game here? What What is this game show? Is it really a game show? Can we Can we win prizes? Uh, well, it is a show that has a game, which is not quite the same uh, yes. in the American vernacular. Um, the game is that we uh, change something about the world. You know, what if humans had webbed toes? Um, what if donuts were not delicious? And then we uh, run with the consequences of that. And uh, sometimes we learn some things along the way. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, often, in, oftentimes our ideas are sp- Bond. I was about to say spurned. Sometimes our ideas are spurned. Oh, sure. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Other times they are spawned, inspired, initiated, created, sparked by you, the listeners. Um, those of you who've been listening a long time know, but if you're new, uh, if you submit an idea to us, which you can go to whattheif.com and right there on the homepage there, there's a place for you on the right side. You can write us a, a note. You can say anything you want in there. You can go cheeseburger, 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 cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, um, but wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, but you can you can uh, tell us. By the way, where are you listening from? I'm very interested. Where are you? look around right now, take note, and then when the show's over, go to whatit.com and tell us where you are. Uh, but if you submit an idea, what we call an if, you become a super ifer. <gasps> is a rare honor. It is. It is rare, um, and it's a little pink inside. <laughs> and uh, but uh, he, he, we this one. It's one of my favorite things. And so we got a uh, we got a submission that just came in um, very recently, and I, I I must play a little bit of the music. When I go to the mailbox, the mailbox is like, um, it's a few miles down the road. Mm-hmm. I live in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, but in my, and so it's a very urban environment. But in my mind, I go out and I walk down a long country road, you see, to the mailbox. And yeah, there we go. Because <laughs> it was uh, a shorter walk than usual today. It, <laughs> I had to get there. I had to get there fast. There's a little country road. I go down and I pick up. Actually, it's not even a mailbox. For some reason, my mail is delivered in a bag. I just get a Well, that's because we get so many letters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sent to us at the uh, What the If World Headquarters in uh, Omaha, Nebraska here. And uh, we, got, we, got a, we got a kind of an unusual one today. And in fact, it's so unusual. That oh, it's its own music. It's mysterious. Wow. Because the author goes by the name Alan Anonymous. <gasps> That's amazing. How much that sounds like just the word anonymous. Ano- yeah. Is this like the Alan Smithy? I think it's the Alan Smithy of the podcasting world. That you get in the movies. Yeah, the Alan Smithy being a fictional 
fictional name. And but he has a great idea. This will be this will go down in history books, by the way, the first episode that had at least three music cues. Oh, okay. yeah. appearing within the first five minutes. Nice. And Alan Anonymous, um, did he? Let's see. I, 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 when you write in, by the way, I do like to find out where you're at. And uh, I'm not sure I got that information from Alan Anonymous. Continuing his or her, mm. or their, continuing their um, intention of being mysterious. Perhaps inspired by our Polybius episode with Dr. Oh, Kiki. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Whattheif.com. You can go and you can, by the way, or on your, right there on your podcast app, you can listen to other episodes of this show. If you missed the one about Polybius with Dr. Kiki, I suggest you check it out. But here we go. Al Anonymous asks. I... We've been doing this for, I don't even know, two years, 20 years. <laughs> I don't even remember. Let me get it right. I, technically, I did it right, but mm -hmm. showmanship-wise was terrible. Alan Anonymous asks, what the if? What if? Alan writes, great achievers with exceptional talent. For instance, Johnny Coltrane... Alan using the more familiar term, mm -hmm. John Coltrane, the great jazz master. Uh, Albert, uh, Albert Einstein or Gandhi, by some technological advancement, some incredible technological advancement, what if these people of exceptional talent were offered to be resuscitated to live again and again and again? And again, gradually becoming more numerous than, quote, ordinary people. Hmm. All right. So when we get these ideas, by the way, part of it, the beginning, the first process that it goes through, it goes through a sifter. First, um, you know, was my mind blown? If so, once the circuit breaker kicks in and resets, uh, my mind reboots, it gets put on the list. Of possible show. Then, if you make it all the way to the show, Super Ifer, Alan Anonymous, whether we know your identity or not, um, we now, it's made it to the show. And so, Matt, I think there's a few few things we need to do to, to, to launch. Safety checks. Safety check. One is uh, put on your goggles. Absolutely. Adam? Yep. Put on, um, these days, I think, put on your mask. Mm -hmm. And pants. And pants. <laughs> Always good to wear your pants, your safety pants. <laughs> and uh, define your terms. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we kind of we got to look word for words exactly what is it that this if is asking. Right. What okay. what is it we're changing? Right. And so we first he says, "What if great achievers with exceptional talent?" So so by the way, interesting. Let's just note right there. Um, Exceptional talent, but not just exceptional talent, but it also have to be a great achiever. Uh, yes, that's right. Those are not the same thing. You know? Mm -hmm. um, for instance, and then interestingly, he points out someone uh, in music and in science and in, um, I, I hate to call Gandhi, politics, uh, social. Uh, um, social hmm, yeah. Human rights. Community organizer. 
community organizer, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, by some incredible technological advancement. Okay, so there's been, this is not, you know, we do scenarios sometimes where it's like, what if this, what if the universe was always this way? In fact, what, just give us, what, what is this show? What is it? Why is it what the if? Because, uh, you know, in the, the process of running with our if, uh, we tend to get upset about it. It's, uh, there's usually a bit of existential dread at the end of it, too. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to run, we tend to run around uh, with our if, with the pointy end of the if mm-hmm. facing outward. And uh, so some, there's been some incredible technological advancement in this case. So everything is normal up till now. This is, these are some of my most fun ifs that we do when suddenly there's a change, right? And now here's, what, here's one thing I enjoyed. The exceptional talents, Coltrane, Einstein, Gandhi, etc. Some of our listeners, I think, would fall into this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, exceptional talents and great achievers. What if they were offered? Okay, so you had, they're asked. Oh, see, well, that's an important consideration. Yeah. Given the offer. And to be resuscitated to live again. So that, that implies they die. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to guess the offer happens before they die. Uh, that is generally a good strategy. Right. Uh, right. If you want to ask someone something. Um, and uh, to li- so, the, so the offer is you could live again and again and again and again. And by the way, it doesn't say you will be asked each time. So it's like it could be a one-time commitment. Yep, it's a terms to, and conditions kind of thing. The first time they log on to the website, <laughs> sign the EULA, um, and uh, they're going to live again and again and again. Who knows how long? So that could be good or bad, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, grad, but but now here's the something I don't quite understand. You can help me with this. The final part of Alan's if is. They gradually become more numerous than ordinary people. So, okay, I, I guess what he means is that throughout time, in other words, um, yeah, instead of say, instead of having uh, biological children, uh, people just start um, borrowing one of the copies of Coltrane or Gandhi instead. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I guess it's it's a little bit basically it's a little bit of like a metaphor for evolution. It's saying that. Um, over time, because the, the, those who accepted the offer to be uh, resuscitated again and again, to be reincarnated, basically, mm-hmm. uh, although we, we, should, we can get into that, um, they're immortal, basically. Um, and it's not that any one of them, it's not that there's more than one Einstein, for instance, at any, any given time. It's just that, for instance, had we done, had this began a thousand years ago, then Newton would still be here. Not every great. Oh, right. oh, I was I was thinking multiple copies of each person. It, it's going to be hard to get uh, them dominating the planet <clears throat> if we don't allow copies of them. Well, then, then you know, again, sticking. That's funny because I'm I'm working on a documentary about a rabbi, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm steeped in Talmudic, the Talmudic way of. Uh, where you take very close readings of the words. Mm-hmm. So we're, if, 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 we, if we begin, at least, in a strictly, uh, what's it called, textual, uh, a textualist? What are those, those like, sure. on the Supreme yeah, Court, the fine. people who are like... Originalist. Originalist. Uh, Alan, you know, who went so far as to cover up, I mean, to went to great lengths to cover up his identity. Um, I cannot 
say whether this is Edward Snowden writing it or not. But I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense, frankly. He may have gone. (laughs) I don't know how much Edward. I don't know much Snowden, you know, has to do these days. So I don't, I don't know exactly. He might be. Hey, by the way, Edward Snowden, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. So yeah, that'd be thank fun. You. We can keep you anonymous. We can make your voice sound funny. Um, I'm sure that meets your strict criteria of, of security. Uh, gradually becoming more numerous. So, so I, I'm kind of fascinated by the idea. So, so, so this leads to the, my first question, which is, which is implicit in the sort of topic here. How often? do these people occur you know um oh like what's our standard that will tell for... us in some way if we stick to an originalist reading of mm-hmm. the if how long it takes for uh the groomed <laughs> the chosen ones uh to 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 outnumber the unchosen ordinary mm-hmm. well so if he suggested whole train Instead of, say, uh, Taylor Swift, that probably suggests he's thinking a, a one-in-a-generation per-discipline type person. Right? That's true. You know, yeah, so not, not just a person who excels, but a person who is so extraordinary, they, they change uh, their field. That's very good. Yeah, in fact, good. That's an even deeper Talmudic reading there. Yes, it, the, 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 what does it mean to say exceptional? talent and great achiever how great and how exceptional so what we're saying is uh yeah einstein um now cult, it's interesting because in music it's a little harder to define uh, but certainly you, we could put coltrane there i would put miles davis in that category hmm, okay. uh, certain people who just really were just radically changed music um but it's hard to find individual so so it, let's just say this gets a little murky there uh, for instance something like music now in in science do you think it's easier to define the the exceptional um, talent hmm these days may be a little question. harder because projects are so big well yes right these days what what sort of counts as as a genius world changing person is a little bit different uh, because we don't have or it's much harder anyway to have the uh Einstein or Newton model of the genius person sitting in their uh, their living room coming up with one idea that changes everything. Nowadays, we have uh, somebody at CERN who oversees a crew of a thousand people, and the great discovery is um, uh, is the result of all of their combined efforts. Um, right. so that is a little trickier. So here's what happens: we our first task here. Uh, we can put ourselves in the role of those who approve whether you will. We, 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 we read the applications. Okay. And so with a, with a little bit of a hint, a little bit of a nod to Coltrane, this, this is not going to be Coltrane here. But please stand by where. That <laughs> <laughs> did sound a little please stand by, didn't it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going. I'm opening up. We we got some we got some submissions, Matt. We got some new submissions. People want to be born again. We have begun the review process. Please hold. All applications are being reviewed in the order they were received. So what do we do? How do we? Uh, how are you gonna? 
which area of um, of uh, society do you want to pull from first? Would you prefer to, to start? Maybe well, with yeah, I'd have to start with I'd have to start with the science folks just because yes. I, I know them better, right? Yes. Um, so, how do you decide? Who, who's someone who might have been on the borderline here who didn't get chosen? Let's say Einstein got chosen. He's been reincarnated mm-hmm. now. Yep. Okay. You know, I think he would just be one. We'd just be on his first repeat round. Uh, just- uh, yep, that'd be great. We should probably also include people like uh, Enrico Fermi. Who, okay. Uh, who do extraordinary work in a number of different areas, too. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps mm-hmm. we can get uh, uh, Marie Curie as well mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um winning nobel prizes in both physics and chemistry um because i think one of the things we'd we'd want to have here is people um let's see with a certain amount of uh flexibility and range because the world is going to change a lot so you know it's not going to be helpful to have uh a world class um stone tool maker hanging around Right. Odds are uh, the, the skills of the lower Paleolithic, even the, the greatest craftsperson of the lower Paleolithic, is not likely to make a whole lot of contributions today. Uh, OK, so this is hilarious. Now, let's, this is what a fascinating example, because here's what happened. We can jump a little bit forward. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's say let's say I'm, I'm going to play with the F a little bit. I'm going to get a little non-originalist, if you allow me. If this has been started back in the Paleolithic era. Then uh, Caveman Philip and Caveman Matt would have met and said, well, of course, Caveman Bob uh, is, you know, he's the greatest stone tool, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) going by the name of one of the great um, tool from Sears. I used to work at Sears, (laughs) for better or worse, and Stanley was the name of their brand of mm-hmm. yep. tools. Uh, they were exceptional tools, actually. They were very good. They last forever. Yeah, all Stanleys are pretty exceptional. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, of course. Are, do, is there a relation? There is not. Sorry. No relation. Um, but uh, many Americans, if you, you, you grew up, you, you probably grew up often with tools. They said Stanley. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was very little, I thought, Stanley, we stole Stanley. <laughs> I have Stanley's hammer here. I don't know. <laughs> is he going to come get it? Um, but so Stanley, you know, caveman Stanley, he's there, uh, you know, making flint. Uh, what, what? Flint yeah. knife. He's like the best. He's the best. They're they're They kill uh, what? Buffalo or. or um, uh, let's say uh, woolly mammoths. Yeah. They, they you put them on the end of an arrow. And you're good. Dinner. Mm-hmm. Dinner will be served. So. um he, la- he, he, you know, and, and, and Hal Anonymous says this offer is, it seems like perpetual regeneration. So first thing that happens is, interestingly, he's, he only lives to whatever cavemen live to. Although I guess he would live longer because he would continue to eventually makes it to today. Yeah, if we're allowing him to just regenerate uh, Doctor Who style. Yeah. So that means that... Um, most of the people who have been reincarnated become actually obsolete. I mean, this is this is a little this is kind of the point. I mean, in the way of Alan's question, sort of like, mm-hmm. what if the world was full of brilliant people only, 
yeah. uh, or exceptionally, you know, whatever, exceptional people. But the process that he has chosen to make this happen is going to take a very long time. And so if we jump yeah. way into the future now, the vast majority of people who are reincarnated are are from eras inconceivably distant from whatever the present right. right and maybe some of those that would be fine right like i don't think anybody's going to complain about having shakespeare in the year 4000 right that'll still Good be point great, right we'd still yeah. be happy to have shakespeare writing um and we're assuming i guess that shakespeare would learn whatever the, the vernacular language is well that's a quite you know that I, i'm not sure about let's say sh- language is an interesting thing it is interesting, though, to think of the example of the music person, mm-hmm. because um, here's so here's this is a little bit of a question of the nature of these people. Do their skill, do they continue to, in other words, the question is, well, would Shakespeare be writing in a modern context or would he be stuck playing, you know, it's, it, I definitely don't think of Coltrane as like old fashioned and whatever but like you know if you imagine somebody from 200 years ago or something they get come up and they're always bringing the harpsichord around yeah and they're playing like, like, give it a rest the liar yeah so are they all right here i come to here here's a fundamental question and, I, and i'm gonna drop it in your hands uh for your response einstein after and this is the case with many so-called exceptional, great, successful people. Mm-hmm. Their, their achievements are done in their youth. Yep, that's right. Um, and so do we, we get, would, if Einstein had been born, so re, he died in the... 1953, 54. Okay, he died in the 50s. So if he, he's born again. Mm-hmm. And so in the 1970s and 1980s, He's around the age of his greatest achievements again. Uh, Does he make another achievement in in, uh, physics? Um, Well, probably not. (laughs) Um, I mean, his, uh, you know, Einstein has his miracle year in 1905 when he's young in the 20s. Um, And all of the, the sort of miraculous papers he writes at the time are all about reconceptualizing things that uh, people had already been working on and pondering for some time. Right? I, I like to say, and it's almost true, that Einstein never writes down an original equation. That is, every, every equation Einstein writes down, someone had written before him. Um, what he did was explain why it meant something different than what everybody else thought. Um, so... It's, uh, but come the 1970s, he has a totally different set of um, ideas to be working off of and pushing back against. And whether or not his particular approach and novel way of thinking is what was needed in the 1970s in the way it was in the 1900s um, mm-hmm. is pretty, is unclear. That, that may not be the case. That's, uh, uh, that his particular insights would be valuable at that moment. Right. In fact, we, we can almost say they almost certainly wouldn't because he, uh, 
for instance, was very much alive and thinking when, for instance, quantum mechanics was super present in the war. I mean, in other words, he, he was around. Yeah, Einstein, you know, spent the last years of his life working on a unified field theory um, that went nowhere. Right? So you, right. Could, you could say he had plenty of years to make great new discoveries and insights um, that, that, for the most part, he did not. Um, and that, as you say, it's, it's sort of a, a truism in usually in technical fields that people only make great work, uh, when they're young. Um, so like in mathematics, for instance, this is particularly prominent. Um, so I think the oldest person to win the Fields medal has been 35. Um, huh. that's seen as just like unbelievably old and over the hill and everybody was shocked when that happened. <laughs> um, yeah. So if that's the case, then would you really expect a 35,000-year-old mathematician to be doing anything interesting and new? Um, and I don't know. Right. Well, I feel like it's not, it's not these 35, he, he sounds like they're regenerated again and again and again, as, as Alan said. So okay. they're so, still living their normal lives, which is actually even worse in a way. Basically, mm -hmm. they're rebooted. Their mind is wiped. Even just that concept, had, had Einstein been born... Mm -hmm. And had a different um, path, you know, that the, the knowledge was loaded into his brain in a different way than it was mm -hmm. in yeah. at the turn of the, right. The, so if you're you know, again a couple of thousand years ago, you're the expert mathematician in uh, on China. Um, that means you're really good at working in abacus, and that's great. Right. Right. Really right. useful and helpful. Um, but then by the time you're regenerated, uh, in the 1920s, does that skill transfer over or whatever made you good at that skill? Does that transfer over to slide rules? Um, maybe, right. You can make the case that it's some kind of hand brain analytical coordination. Um, but then by the 2020s, um, being a good, good at calculation means you're good at programming Mathematica. Uh, which is probably not the same hand-eye skill set as the abacus. Right, and at the very least, you... Although, you know, it's interesting because he would have been... Here's what's crazy. Here's what this, this is also is asking. Is, let's take Aristotle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Aristotle is an interesting one because I feel like... Uh, uh, you can help me understand this better. I feel like Aristotle was, was a great, um, I don't know if you call it, philosopher, scholar. He, yeah, he, he would have called himself a philosopher. Yeah, like he was great at seeing how systems were working, for instance, and documented them. Mm -hmm. Or was able to explain, well, you know, oh, well, you, this is how theater works. This is how plays yeah. seem to have this. And this is how physical processes seem to go. Like he was very good at, at that. Mm -hmm. um, he's born again. And um, let's say he's born in 1967. Okay. I'm just going to pick that number randomly All right. in, in, in Baltimore, Maryland. I don't All know. sorts of interesting people were born that year in Baltimore. Exactly. So that seems like a fine And uh, <laughs> the other thing is, where, where do these happen? Um, and if Aristotle is just born fresh, you know, in some random place, uh, is there any, we have, uh, do we have any understanding of how genius well, works to think so this that is, this is deeply debated in among historian circles and particularly within 
history of science and intellectual history. Um, and the, the big question, as it's usually framed, is the importance of context, right? So uh, is a genius a, a transcendental category who will excel at right, uh, right. whatever it is they do? Or does it really matter you know, who their second grade teacher is and what books they read in junior high school? Um, and nowadays, historians lean towards uh, saying that context is very important. Um, and if you replayed someone's life, you would expect it to be quite different. So, for instance, um, uh, with Einstein, uh, he tells this story. Einstein tells the story of um, how he comes to be interested in science. And it's when he's a, a little kid, um, he's uh, homesick. And to cheer him up, his father brings him a compass. And Einstein becomes fascinated by how the needle on the compass always points in the same direction, no matter what. So he then becomes obsessed with this idea of invisible regularity in the universe. So let's imagine that um, Einstein's father brings him a toy gun instead of a compass. Um, does Einstein then, instead of becoming a lifelong pacifist and internationalist who's seeking the deeper harmony in the universe, does he become a, a weapons designer instead? Um, you know, does is, do we say, well, Einstein was inherently a genius, so whatever he turns his his work to, he would necessarily be good at, or would it turn out that um, uh, he was really good at physics, but would have been a crummy engineer? Right. Well, in fact, there were right. He had colleagues, for instance, let's say Fritz Haber, or mm -hmm. you know, any number of scientists. Um, who we don't have to go to Haber, even to the Haber extreme. There are plenty of scientists who have gone into, for instance weapon design mm -hmm. that uh can be you know, einstein right he was jewish he he so therefore felt out out a little bit oppressed by the german military stuff and he would have anyway all kinds of stuff like that um so therefore how it sounds to me perhaps i would put you in charge um because you are a historian of science mm -hmm. of the facility that does the reincarnation and uh re uh, edu or, you know the ed education of the young einsteins mm -hmm. and aristotles and i, I want to include people of other cultures and other times as well you know sure. yeah so we'll bring in you know uh uh confucius yeah uh, lao tzu yeah that'd be great um so um, if i can so if i can actually run experiments on these people yeah uh, okay and yeah. and neither OSHA nor I, an I will approve the grant for the research. Uh, uh, then we can do some really interesting work and probably actually resolve some longstanding debates in, say, history of science. Um, so now um, I can. So the first time I get Einstein, uh, I will try to duplicate his previous life as closely as possible. And I will try <laughs> to convince him that the state of science is as it was in 1905. And then see what he comes up with. Um, so, so just, just to be clear, I think what you're saying is you're sort of building like a, 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 a Truman Show type thing. In other words, a, yeah. a sort of fictional right. world that baby Einstein, young Einstein, doesn't know he lives in. He thinks he lives in. Um, yeah, he, he in thinks, well, he's born in Ulm and then yeah. grows up in Munich. Um, so he thinks he's growing up in Munich in the late 1800s. That's right. And I have to duplicate all of his friends, um, <laughs> the, his crappy teachers, uh, everything. Right. 
Um, and then I'll put, uh, you know, a copy of Lorenz's ether theory in front of him and say, what do you think of this? And if he says, oh, well, clearly this is a time dilation equation. And I'm like, aha. Okay. Um, and then the next time I get Einstein, I'll do it totally different. I'll raise him as though he's growing up in the 1970s. So he's really into disco. Uh, and uh, he watches the A team. Um, and he. Uh, no, no, Mr. T, Mr. T <laughs> might have given him a whole new way of seeing things, I think. Uh, and then he gets, um, but he gets, in terms of science, he gets educated in what will become the, the standard model of particle physics. Um, now, there's no point he in. He will giving... learn his own science. Yeah, that's right. I might have to do some some editing of the books to make sure his name doesn't appear in a confusing way. He'll be like, huh, this guy had the same name as me. Right? That would be weird. Um, but that's doable, right? Um, but now, could I... he be told? Could he be told? Why not? So here's the advanced phase, phase <laughs> three of this experiment or four or so. Um, he's, he's grown and, and, uh, told like, like, like the young Dalai Lama was told or other great, you know, uh, Prince Harry, uh, no, no, I'm not equating those two, but you know, young people of, uh, of a particular elite status or something have to be told, you know, so by the way, well, that, that can be, I mean, that fortunately, if we're running the experiments as many times as we want, um, right. do both. So we can both inform him he's a genius, right, right, right. Um, and tell him he's not very interesting. Uh, and of course, as you say, there's actually a lot of work on the psychology of education about exactly this sort of thing, that it's actually fairly easy to persuade someone that they are good at something, even if they're not, or persuade someone that they're bad at something, even if they are. Um, so essentially what we'd be doing is running a long-term nature-nurture experiment. Um, uh, and see what, uh, what we get. Um, my sense is that I don't know if I've ever met anyone who I would say, I'll bet she is good at everything. Um, mm. which is really what we would, I think we would need is that over the, the generations and the centuries, human civilization and society and needs and expectations change so dramatically that somebody who's good at one skill set, um, it does not seem plausible to me that they would continue to be good at similar skill sets, uh, over time, right? If you're, if you're re again, you're really good at flint napping, that is making, I, I can imagine like the X. If I have this correctly, I'm not, again, I, I confess I'm not 100% uh, up on the Marvel universe, but mm -hmm. the X-Men are uh, so-called mutants, but but they're super, all superheroes and they all have a unique talent, maybe a couple, right? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. This is as if the whole world is X-Men and women and everything in between. Um. Uh, all the whole, all the people in the world, by the time you get to the point where they're all exceptional, yep, they all are exceptional at the thing that they were first exceptional, right? Or you know, the little body of knowledge area of society. Um, but it is as if you know, look, if if you are, um, um, is it 
Thor, the ones made of rocks. No, it's the thing. Not Thor, the thing. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that much I knew. Okay. Duh. So the thing, he's a big rock. A big rock. Uh, a sentient rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has arms and legs and things like that. That's kind of that's going to be good forever. You can always use a big guy. Yep, that's that's right. But then, for rocks. instance, um, uh, at one point, one of the X Men um, uh, was uh, a guy named Cipher who could um, understand codes. Uh huh. Okay. I'm like, okay, I guess that's kind of handy. Um, but that's a very specific kind of thing. So, right. if you're in an era in which Codes are widely used. I guess that's a handy thing to have. Um, but if, if, you know, one of his things would be you could talk to machines, electrical machines. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and like, that's great. But if you have that power in 1100 AD, um, being able to talk to electrical machines is not so helpful. But, or what if one of these so-called exceptional uh, people was exceptionally good at washing clothes? Mm-hmm. Like in, in their day, they were, it was unbelievable. You could drop your laundry off. <laughs> like wow less than a week <laughs> um but but at a certain point that for instance that skill becomes mechanized actually this is a little bit of a metaphor for what is happening now that there mm-hmm. are very much people who are exceptionally good at uh something that's done by hand let's say which has become mechanized yeah um so i think what we would probably end up with yeah is um a planet full of people who are all reminiscing about the good old days uh, when they were the smartest person on the planet or the fastest runner. Um, And some of these, some of these skills I suspect will, will age well. Right. So everybody's always going to want to listen to Coltrane. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I suspect Aristotle will always be a helpful person to talk with about ethics. um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, And rhetoric. Right. Right. Um, but nobody's going to want to talk to Aristotle um, about matter theory, right? Because he's going to keep saying, uh-huh. well, how do you know the water has achieved its metaphysical potential in the universe? And they're but like, he could, still be, he, could, he could grow up, if he grows up, the, Arist- the version of Aristotle that grows up in that era, mm-hmm. uh, the modern era, whatever, and he's learning modern physics uh, or whatever it is he needs to know. He could learn it, but we don't know would his mind absorb it in the same That's way. Right. Would would the things that made him very good at thinking about his kind of cosmology um, actually adapt over to relativistic cosmology? Right. Um, and my guess would be no. Um, even sort of within individual lifetimes. We'll see this happen to people, where people get scientists get. In fact, you see, we see this with Einstein. And uh, scientists get stuck in a particular way of thinking, um, and do not adapt well to the new systems. And they keep trying to solve the new problems the way they solve the old problems, and do not make much progress. Yeah, and eventually, like all things, like all experiments, the biases of those who were running this experiment would become manifest. Had yeah. this been running in the past, um, the the world would eventually evolve into just cranky uh, men. Uh, yep, that's, that's right. it. Mm-hmm. And there'd be no, you know, just be total 
Um, yeah, that's right. We would whoever, whenever you start this experiment, they will just replicate whatever seems to be their best world um, along the way. Yeah, yeah. This is. I think there's. This is a CV. This is a TV series. This could be perhaps a. This could be a TV. Series. Actually, yeah, like uh, kind of like Doctor Who in a way. Very each episode would be very thought provoking and uh, kind of hilarious, um, but also uh, interesting. Interesting, Al Anonymous. Bring in the if super. Well, this is our God. first unidentified super ifer. Um, so we that's can't, right. A U so a USI. We, we can't send them. Um, a finger puppet. No, no. You know, the finger puppets have been retired, by the way. No, dear. Yeah. Yeah, the finger puppet thing is... Uh, it's on hiatus, perhaps. Maybe it's the best to call it that. Uh, it was, you know, they they decided... They wanted to be unionized. Um, <laughs> they, they complained about their care. Uh, they said, what are we, just puppets? Was, okay. Yes. Yes, you, you are. Care. In fact, you are a finger yeah. puppet. They, well, but no, no, we are more than puppets, and... We had some situations, so um, finger puppets are on, on, on a hold. Alas. Uh, for the good of the world. Uh, but Al Anonymous, your fame will live on. Uh, and you are Alan Anonymous. He wrote it as two names. Or he said, you, there is a unique way he spelled it. Yep. So, so thank you for writing in. Uh, all of you are welcome to go to whattheif.com and send in your ideas. Your questions, just questions. You got a question? You want to try to stump Matt? Stump the professor? <laughs> That'd be fine. Um, you could. Uh, you can't stump me because I, I begin at a very low place anyway. But uh, you could enlighten me. You want to enlighten? That'd be fun. A little bit of enlightenment. Um, if uh, any of you are descendants of great, uh, exceptional people, uh, which there must be quite a lot. You yep. know that whole thing okay. about how, right? Mm -hmm. How many? How many descendants of? great people are there around and we can say unfortunately not many of them did anything uh that's right you know, yeah mm -hmm. you know uh no shame on for instance the descendants of um any of the great bands uh musical right, groups mm -hmm. uh, mostly their children even if they try don't play it's a tough it's a tough life so um but you can always ask if the questions themselves can can be as world changing as the answers. Yeah, that's Sometimes right. More so. What if, what I, the what if I tried to tell my dean when she asked what I've been doing for the last year. The West. That's what I tell my dean when she asks what I've been doing for the last year. So I've been asking <laughs> yeah. questions. And questions are just as important as whether I produce. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we hope you're all well, uh, given the whole pandemic situation. If you're interested, by the way, we uh, once a week, um, if you haven't heard it before, we do a uh, kind of news program. We kind of check in on the virus uh, with an incredible virologist, scientist from uh, Rockefeller University here in New York City, Gabby Panicia. And uh, that goes up on Mondays and generally this uh, goes up on Fridays. So um, we go back and forth. We, we touch the virus a little bit. We get a lot of insight. We, we read headlines. Gabby helps us get behind that. And then um, by the time Friday comes around, our minds are just like crazy all, all over the place. And in fact, this particular show, the notion of the ifs that may be out there. I mean, there could be an if that was asked by every exceptional 
person. Forget the ordinary. Yeah, what, yeah. Nothing I loved about this was the elitist nature of the question. Ordinary. <laughs> Forget the ordinaries. All the ifs that you ask, all of you and our listen, you listeners, are exceptional people and deserve to be regenerated well, again and again and again. One hope. Oh, yeah. Along with your ifs, Matt. What happens when we hear the whispers of the geniuses asking their ifs? Um, we descend into uh, existential horror, and we have no choice but to shout, "What the yeah!"